Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you this morning. Good morning, Dr. Paul. How are you this morning? Very well, thank you. Should the president be impeached? Yeah, we uh, better decide that. It's a pros and cons, even though I would say that uh, my first uh, year of experience in uh, Congress, or as I was running for the first time way back in 1974, <laughs> that was a big issue. Oh, yeah. And that was the uh, uh, Nixon deal. Of course, he didn't get impeached. He just got uh, the, the wisdom of the Congress at that time was a lot different. Yes. And uh, you had people agreeing and bipartisan, you know, and Goldwater led the Republican delegation over and look, Mr. President, it's not going to work. But then when you think, well, they were more dignified and, and took care of things differently. But when you think about it, if you compare the charges made, I would think the charges are astronomical today yeah. compared to uh, Nixon's, uh, Nixon's stuff was really some just some dumb things uh, that they were doing. But, uh, but anyway, uh, we, we, we survived that. But now the big issue is, is should uh, uh, should Republicans now impeach uh, Biden? And uh, there's there's a c couple positions you could take there. Uh, the first thing is I don't think it should be hard for anybody that is outside the inner circle of Biden that ought to be investigated to find out are the stories coming out now. And there, the Republicans who are arguing now that there's been a tremendous benefit by the Republicans, even with a narrow margin, maybe narrow margins are a good way to handle things, yeah. get, getting control of the Congress and looking into this. So the evidence now and the hearings, I think in many ways this past weekend was a big deal, but it, it continues to get big. Uh, and uh, th there's more talk of, uh, of having an impeachment. I'm sort of reserved on impeachment. I don't think impeachment, they say they wouldn't have to do a whole lot more. We have the evidence next week, this vote on impeachment. I think that uh, that's not, not going to work because one thing for sure is impeachment has been grossly distorted uh, compared to 1974. 1974, just the thought of a possible yeah. impeachment, it's just the thought that the evidence may lead to that. It's just the thought that Republicans were agreeing with them big difference there and they were much more civil but now now if there there seems like there's plenty of justification for a real investigation so why doesn't the DOJ do that well yeah. who believes in the DOJ and uh, if, I mean the people that need investigators the FBI right yeah, now yeah, yeah. You know, this whole thing so it's uh, it's uh, it's uh, it's not easily done and an inquiry and you know, looking into and getting more evidence uh, whether it's done in six days or six weeks or whatever I think uh, long term it's the truth that we want uh, there's a pressing reason to do it in politics but but overall you know uh, these inquiries uh, and, and sometimes our commissions are cover-ups uh, but I do know that opinions change and I think there's much more evidence out on the table about the 1960s with the uh, three major assassinations uh, mm -hmm. that went on and uh, the uh, the assassinations then were covered up or they tried to but but it was shifted for everybody you know in the first week two or a month and gradually the truth came out 
and uh, you know the culprits uh, were identified, although they they weren't uh, punished uh, for it. Uh, you know, it's in some way it, uh, it 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 worked out. This is a little bit different, so I I I, I wouldn't. Uh, I think the investigation is great. We want the truth. I, I think that the one hazard we have is that the uh, importance and the, and the dignified way of handling this kind of thing has been grossly distorted by the craziness of impeaching Trump twice. Yeah. You know, and the people who seem to be smart enough to say, "Well, I don't agree with him so much," but impeaching the guy twice and they didn't get one Republican to vote yeah. compared to what was happening in 1974. So this is a different situation, but the more information we get, the merrier. That's what our business is, is trying to dig it out and find who's telling the truth. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it really is in the past few days now that we've seen this kind of uh, increase in chatter about, about impeachment. We've heard the lone GOP members of the House from the very beginning talking about it, but the storm clouds seem to be, to be gathering for Biden on this. Let's put up this first article because we both read this from the Federalist and it's an interesting article by Margot Cleveland. She's their chief legal uh, reporter. The title is only an impeachment inquiry can unravel Biden family corruption and the Fed's role. And I think she's making the case that you're making because I think what you're saying Dr. Paul is boom boom impeachment and done is really not going to do the job because what we need to know is we need to find out exactly what was going on in a nonpartisan way. That's not what we got with Trump. As you say, it was totally 100% partisan. <laughs> Ironically, some of the things he was accused of, it looks like Biden may have actually done. Um, we'll talk about that later. So I think she makes a very, very good case that, as you've said many times, can't trust the Department of Justice. And there's so many questions now about Merrick Garland. How many handcuffs did he put on investigators and whistleblowers uh, not allowing them to get into this investigation of Hunter Biden. Um, what else did he do? Now, we know the FBI has been shown to have been less than on the up and up in this whole thing as well. We've got whistleblowers from the FBI talking about it. So the question is, can we trust the federal government? And I think the answer is pretty obvious right now. So there needs to be an inquiry. So when we're saying it may backfire, we're not saying, hey, just let it go, just drop. We're saying that be careful because this is some dangerous ground. And, and the one advantage now, the way the Republicans are looking at it, and I think properly, is it's broad. It isn't just one person doing something. And he, they'll be looking into inform, information more on, on, on uh, Garland and uh, on all the, both of the violence and Weiss and, and Christopher Ways, the whole, whole thing that it looks into. So that is the most important thing that I think happens if it gets to the, it could get to the point where uh, the Democrats may come around and say, oh, no, let's get rid of them yeah. but for a different reason. Yeah. Maybe, maybe right now, you know, they are really squirming because, uh, you know, you, you know, the first thing they'd say right now is if you get get rid of them, uh, you, you know, we're going to have Harris, uh, you know, as the president. Mm -hmm. And it, it looks like, boy, I have saw a few things lately on the mainstream media that really coming down hard on uh, Kamala Harris. I mean, they, they're mean. really blasting her. <laughs> is that like throwing somebody under the bus yeah, or something? Something like that. <laughs> No, you kind of make a good point. Maybe the GOP wants to keep Biden in because he's so unpopular. The corruption is so tawdry. Uh, now, I, I like some of the things that uh, 
Taylor Green has done, but I think showing some of those photos on the house floor <laughs> really got me, uh, hit me the wrong way. I don't think you should be doing that. However, he's shown themselves to be less than upstanding citizens. Well, I think here's the other thing we were going to talk about if we put the next one on. So even McCarthy, Kevin McCarthy, who's, who's despite how he would like to style himself, is really not a, uh, a radical bomb thrower by any stretch of the imagination. Even he is saying he's comparing Biden to Nixon and saying a congressional b probe will rise to impeachment inquiry. And if you go to the next one, he actually is telling the truth here. And here's what he says. We would know none of this if Republicans hadn't taken the majority, he said. Congressional Republicans have been probing Biden since they took over the House in January. McCarthy said amplifying the probe of Biden to an impeachment inquiry would give Congress the strongest power to get the rest of the knowledge and information needed. And I think to that, not to put words in your mouth, he would say yes, but be cautioned. You know, when, when I think about this in the big picture of uh, money being stolen and corruption and money under the table, and then you compare it to what we have made legal, <laughs> you know, yeah. just think of all the illegalities that go on and the redistribution of wealth, how they can take it and move it from one group to another group because another group either wants it or demands it or they have a political clout to do it. And uh, a lot of people refer to that, and I do too, is it's plunder. And, and yet that is no okay because it was done by a democratic congress they voted for this and this is the one reason why this dictatorship of the majority doesn't work but they uh they have uh, d done that for years but that is where the big thing is and it, if we looked at the current events right now the current event or what the military industrial complex has done the pharmaceutical industry the uh the the, the uh, so social media what yeah. they've accomplished in the collusion with government these these are big things and so much of it they consider perfectly illegal especially the transfer of wealth uh, I, I think people are starting to feel it and understood it and it never seemed to hurt me when I was campaigning is is that poor people suffer because there's a monetary system that is corrupt and you, you so you can say yeah there's a lot of corruption here and it's bad and I'm not gonna ever belittle this because people can see this but I would like to see a time when people see the immorality of a transfer society that is using the dictatorship of a majority and all you have to do is have a, a, loud, a loud voice to say oh we need people uh, we need we need help for people and if you're not for it if you're not for the military complex or if you're not for the pharmaceutical companies that you're un-american and you're an evil person so we have a long way to go with the big picture and uh, this is this is something that uh, is is not going to be attended to this year yeah. but but it is a time that people if they believe that way it's an opportune time it should be brought up in the campaign uh, the ongoing campaigns right now especially the presidential campaign and uh, I always think that someday people are going to wake up central banks don't last forever and uh, and there's um, more articles now appearing that maybe this uh, they're, they're not willing to blame the system they're blaming the, the chairman he's not distributing the money fast enough yeah. or, or something like that but uh, oh, I'm sorry go ahead accomplish. I was gonna I was just gonna here's the I mean here's a couple of other big factors I think the first one happened I think it was yesterday because if you remember when Hillary's server information came out and she's having all these emails in her bathroom, highly <laughs> confidential. Remember what Bernie Sanders did? He didn't say, hey, let's get her. This is bad. He said, I don't care about Hillary's emails. He basically 
you know, gave up on that. Well, RFK Jr. did not do that yesterday. He said, we need to investigate the Bidens and find out what's going on. That's a big change. It says a lot about his character, but also says a lot about the realities in the Democratic Party right now. And the other thing, Dr. Paul, I would say the other shoe to drop is Devin Archer. And this was uh, Hunter's business partner. They were involved with Burisma Energy in Ukraine, this oligarch company that was paying the brilliant Hunter Biden, great painter, humanitarian. They're paying him $80,000 a month because he was so brilliant. The partner is now facing serious jail time for some of the other stuff that he's done. So it sounds like he's going to go and testify before Congress to give some information and try to keep himself out of boiling water. I would hate to be him right now <laughs> because it might be dangerous, but I think that really is the other shoe to drop because, you know, we had, uh, was it Bobolinsky his name was, and he got a little bit of, 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 in, of info, but everyone knows Devin Archer. Everyone knows he was the main partner. So if he comes out with some serious information and he's suggesting and he's teasing that he has some big stuff, it could be really bad. You know, I was listening to a report the other day of a poll, and we find polls interesting. And this poll, the question was, uh, you know, who do you respect the most in the Democratic circle? And it was the people who were running. There's a couple running for president, of course, uh, RFK, and there's a woman running, and there's people running, uh, you know, who are well known in the Democratic Party. And they wanted to know who, who, uh, who, who was the most respected. And they did the poll, and the results came out, and the reporter was dumbfounded. He says, and RFK wins it by a landslide, you know. Yeah. Uh, that's, a, that's a whole thing. They, they, they just don't know, like, uh, like even country music or finding out who's really, what the people are thinking. Yeah. That's a great move that's going on now, whether it's, uh, whether it's Bud Light or whatever, you know. There's uh, the people want to, they have found this as a way to say something instead of just one individual saying yeah. it, all of a sudden they speak as a group and they don't want to be like just just one or two people. And uh, so these these types of movement, especially since I agree with what they're complaining about, uh, it, it's been going well. And you know, Miranda Devine, she writes for the New York Post and she has been dogged about this. She reminds me of what journalists are supposed to do. Now, maybe she's partisan, I don't know, I don't care. but. She has dug to the bottom of this, and she's been relentless. Put this next clip up, because this, what's, this is what's going to happen here in a few days, and it's going to be big. Uh, because you remember what uh, President Biden said. I never spoke to anyone that dealt with my son in business. I had nothing to do with his business whatsoever. He's just relying on his in, inner brilliance. Well, doesn't look to be the case. Here's Miranda Devine's piece in the Post. Hunter Biden put then-VP dad Joe on the phone with business associates at least two dozen times ex-partner Devin Archer to testify. He would repeatedly get his dad on the horn, put him on speakerphone. Obviously, his dad is the acting, is the vice president of the United States. That is a little bit more than just Joe Blow. Put the next one up because this is the detail from Miranda's piece. Hunter Biden would dial in his father, then VP Biden, on speakerphone into meetings with his overseas business partners, according to testimony expected this week from Devin Archer. Archer, as we mentioned, is facing jail for his role in a $60 million bond fraud. He's scheduled to testify to the House Oversight Committee. Um, he's trying to keep his bacon out of jail, which one would understand, no question about it. 
But the, the, the main thing, and I'm just going to paraphrase it about the Burisma thing that's so important, is that you know this company was being investigated by their prosecutor, their chief prosecutor in Ukraine, and the interference was made after some bribes were paid. These are the allegations. Some bribes were paid by the owner of this company, by the head of this company, a fellow called Zlochevsky. Uh, $10 million is the claim, and Gra Senator Grassley released this information. You got, here's $10 million. You got to get rid of this guy. He's looking into our corruption. <laughs> we don't like this at all. And so not only did Biden make sure the guy was gotten rid of, he actually bragged about it in this famous clip that we should show. <sighs> it's a minute long if we can put it on. Now, there is one bad word in there, but that's typical of Biden. But if put that first clip on in here where he basically he's so dumb that he admits that he committed something that's way worse than anything uh, Trump has done. You might want to put your earplug in here, Dr. Paul, and listen to what he's having to say. You know, I'll, I'll give you one concrete example. I, I, I was not I, I, but it just happened to be that was the assignment I got. I, I, I got all the good ones. Uh, and uh, so I got Ukraine. And uh, um, I remember going over convincing our team, our others, to convincing us that we should be providing for loan guarantees. And I went over, I guess, the 12th, 13th time to Kiev, and, uh, and I was going, supposed to announce that there was another billion-dollar loan guarantee. And I had gotten a commitment from Poroshenko and from uh, Yatsenyuk that they would take action against the state prosecutor, and they didn't. So they said they had they were walking out to press conference and said, no, I said, I'm not going to, we're not going to give you the billion dollars. They said, you have no authority. You're not the president. The president said, I said, call him. I said, I'm telling you, you're not getting the billion dollars. I said, you're not getting the billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours. I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> Got fired. And they put in place someone who was solid. Two funny things about this. First of all, I think that laughter among the other two was kind of nervous laughter because this is a case where he's like, admitting oh. to a crime. Like, what should be quiet? You know, he's literally saying, if you don't call the dogs off of this company that my son's working for, you don't get a billion dollars. And here he is just admitting it. It's almost like he self-indictment. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Might be, that should be all that's necessary. <clears throat> yeah, so there's, there's this. There's <clears throat> two dozen times he called his dad, you know, hey, get on the phone, dad. I got to get this deal going. <laughs> so it doesn't look good for him. And we'll, we'll remain to, to be, it'll remain to be seen, like you say, will some Dems get on board and say, look, this guy is a disaster for us. Let's come get someone smart and non-corrupt like Newsom <laughs> to run. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, it'll be an interesting few days, that's for sure. So do we not go on to the next subject here? Yeah, let's move on because this is, a, this is one we've been keeping our eyes on, but I think it's ramping up. We put on that, go all the way ahead where it's U.S. Reaper drone. We'll skip all that other stuff uh, that we were going to talk about, um, if we can find that clip. So this is, as you know, I mean, Dr. Paul, we occupy, what, some 30% of Syria, or a big chunk of it at least, all, where all the oil is and where most of the grain is, the U.S. occupies. They say they need it to fight ISIS. Um, but we're seeing now a very, very significant increase in um, conflicts between the Russians, who are there at the uh, invitation of the, of the Syrian government, and the U.S., which is there illegally occupying Syrian territory. So the thing is ramping up. I do not think it's unrelated to the Ukraine war, and I think it's 
has a potential of having some serious implications. Yes, I have a report on some of those statistics. One, this report said one third uh, U.S. controls one third of Syria, eighty wow. percent of the oil, and most of the wheat. <coughs> so, <coughs> with that in mind, it sounds like we have a colony over there, and you know you have to protect your colonies. And this whole thing, the distance between us and and, and Syria. And we are, we're assuming that, uh, you, you know, we're responsible for that. And, oh, we can't. You mean they shot at our airplanes? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, so that, that to me is a, such, such a mess, but it's a reflection of an attitude. You know, in, in Washington, if you come down and say, so what? Why are we over there? No good will come of it all. It's not our property. Why don't we take care of our own property? That's blasphemy yeah. and uh, treasonous. So what are you doing? You gave up. You know that's that to me is a, is a real shame. But uh, but I, I think that, you know even if you approach it from a moral viewpoint, I think uh, the the Russians have more justification to be involved there <laughs> than we do. Yeah. So uh, and they've been closer allies. With, I mean real allies for for many years. So. Yeah, I mean, I think certainly in, in legal terms, Russia is there at the invitation of the legitimate government. That government continues to be recognized by more other governments throughout the region, so they certainly have the legal on their side. Uh, you have a question, well, why are we there? I mean, we, there's a lot of oil around the world we can steal. Why are we stealing it <coughs> from the poor old Syrians? Well, that's because Iran is next door. I think that's why the U.S. wants to maintain that military presence there in case they decide to do something against Iran, and that's the main thing. But what we're seeing now is Russia and Iran ganging up and saying, hey, we can do these little pinprick things. We can annoy the Americans. We can push it right to the brink and make it difficult, if not untenable, for them to continue to be here. And that's why we're seeing this U.S. Reaper drone, and this is one of many that's happened over the past few weeks, uh, where the Russians will, will fly a Sukhoi or something right up to these Reaper drones, and they'll... <coughs> do all sorts of things, and then they'll throw out some flares and mess up the fins. In fact, they, they downed one, I think, in the Black Sea. So they're doing more and more of this harassment exercises against the Americans, uh, and I think it definitely certainly has to do with, the, um, with the, um, what's happening in Ukraine and how things are getting a lot more serious. I think it exposes the weak underbelly of the U.S. because there's no way, estimated 1,000 troops, maybe there's a few more, there's no way that that can even serve as a tripwire uh, there's no way that the U.S. wants to open a new front uh, in its war uh, down in Syria. There's no way it even can get back in there. Even, even Biden says, we don't have any ammunition left. So, <laughs> so I, mean, I think the Russians feel like they have the cards in their hand. And they're trying to play those cards right now. Yeah, and uh, it's getting fuzzier for drawing the line. Uh, we talked about the other day. There's a line, if you cross that line, that means that <clears throat> we're really going to expand the war. But uh, that is getting more difficult. Yeah, and I think the U.S. excuse is unconvincing. We have to stay there because we have to fight ISIS. ISIS is basically pretty much toast, and the Russians have shown themselves to have an appetite to get rid of these guys as well. So, so anyway, I think if we can move on to closing, if you're ready, um, and I'm just going to remind everyone again, if you put on this next uh, clip, the very last clip actually, which way America, this is what we've been talking about, this is the topic, where are we going if we want to continue sleepwalking toward a world war or do we want to look at a different approach uh, i will put a link in here where you can get your tickets to this conference it's going to be a great event dr paul is going to be speaking with his vision for 
America in the future and a lot of other people with some interesting insights. So get those tickets and come see us September 2nd at the Dulles, <coughs> near the Dulles Airport. Dr. Paul, over to you. Very good. And I'm looking forward to it because I always find uh, our events to be very interesting because we get an insight, at least I do, from the people who attend. And uh, so many are complimentary and say, yes, they benefit a whole lot. Some come from long distances. We have individuals coming from overseas as well as across the country. But it is an effort to find people who are very dedicated to basic principles. Basic principles of, uh, this, the summary of that would be non-interventionism. That is, don't, inter don't commit yourself and accept the principle that you can intervene in people's lives because you don't like what they're doing or you don't like what their beliefs are, but they're not causing any harm to anybody. And others who think that you can intervene in the economy because it has to be fair. We have to have a fair economy, and we have to make sure that uh, that everybody's treated exactly the same. So this this goes on and on, and of course it applies to foreign policy too. If we have a, if we apply the same principle of non-intervention into foreign policy, believe me, there would have been a lot less people killed over the last 120 years, and uh, that of course is one precise goal goal for, for us and. People have to realize that you just can't walk away and it's going to be that way. You have to have a principle that you defend and understand, and the principle is that of liberty and non-interventionism. Because I am convinced when you see these fighting going, this fighting going on constantly, and who's going to have the last say? We see this on this all this social uh, justice warriors going around that in a free society, what people could do is when they accept the idea, you're free. Free individuals get along better. Free individuals bring people together. And free, free people find out that when everything is voluntary, there's more prosperity and there's more peace. And I keep blaming ourselves who believe this. Why aren't we doing a better job in spreading this message? It's a wonderful message. And things are going to pot right now. And uh, things are a mess. And to resolve this, because I think the bubble and the currency problem and the uh, political fights going on now is worldwide. It's just not a domestic in one country. And we are facing this. I see it as an opportunity to offer up a philosophy which hard to turn down if you're able to explain it to people. I believe it's very appealing to young people as well. They say, well, how are you going to reach the young people? Young people are doing this and that. Well, I have to say I felt favorable about how the young people responded to this message, and I hope we can continue to do it. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.